You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadam. Well, as promised, today we are going to talk a little bit about the OTAs and what happened. Uh, I know there's varying interest in that, all the way from, uh, you know, we got to hang on every single word to it's OTAs, who cares? But we're doing it anyways, because it's the most important thing that did happen. Um, we do have, uh, I believe, one more week of OTAs coming up this week. We'll probably have one more media available day, which means we'll have one more day of notes in OTAs, followed by press conferences and whatnot. Hopefully, you know, one of the things that I wish was asked more is rather than, you know, these media members going out and saying, hey, Musgrave looked good, and then going to the podium and saying, Musgrave looked good, A, eh? which, of course, what is the coach going to say? Yeah. He did. Oh, great. I'm going to write a whole article about my question. You don't even need to ask the question. Just write the article, dude. You don't need the coach's backing. You didn't even really get it. You're just pretending you got it. These guys have, have been in OTAs for, well, it will, will be three weeks. And I think three each. So we're talking nine different practices. We've seen three of them. I want to know what the coaches have seen without being led. Who has stood out to you the most? Stuff like that. Who among the rookies seems to be picking things up at a, you know, really fast pace? Has anybody surprised you? Has anybody stood out? I don't know how much information you're going to get, but I would rather have that kind of information, right? Because I already heard what these guys said when they were out there on the field, you know, constantly typing out, tweeting out, oh, Musgrave, 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 Musgrave. I already know he looked good. You already told me that. So I don't need you to go to the coach and say, hey, tell me about how good Musgrave was today. That's not interesting. I want to know what happened when we weren't all out there. So I'm hoping before we wrap this up and everybody goes into seclusion that we get an overall summary of the things that took place over these last three weeks whenever these pressers take place. I want names, man. Not just regurgitation of what we already know. I want to know the stuff that we don't know. That's kind of the point of all this. Anyways... What I like to do, because it's a little bit easier and can ha- kind of help things as far as chronologically, you know, going through things, is, well, going through the, the notes chronologically. The other way to do it is to separate them out into individual groups and players and whatnot. And as I go through it, I, I always re- remember why I don't do this. It takes way too long and isn't actually all that helpful. And then I say, well, do I put this, you know... Love threw a pass to Musgrave. Well, do I put it in Love's spot? Do I put it in Musgrave's spot? Do I put it in both of their spots? It's just annoying. But that's what we're doing today because I thought it would be fun to kind of look at each individual person individually to kind of get an idea of what's going on. So we'll start with that. We'll see how much time we got, and then we'll talk about lots of other goodies. Um, so I have it broke down not just by player, but by position, and then there's also bigger groups, offense and defense. So we'll start off at the top at offense. Um, starting offense and and. That kind of differs. I think this was in the team period. So when they actually start running plays against defense and whatnot, you had Love at quarterback, Aaron Jones at running back. The wide receivers were Watson, Dobbs, and Reed. Tight end was Josiah DeGuara. And then although Bakhtiari was on the field, you had Jones at left tackle, 
Elton at left guard, Myers at center, John Runyon at right guard, and Zach Tom at right tackle. And I think the biggest reason, and we'll kind of go through, you know, as some of the other notes happen, the reason you're seeing Jones at left tackle as opposed to, well, why don't you just put, you know, Yash at left and Tom at right and just kind of have them cycle up? Because nobody's competing for that left tackle spot. If Zach Tom and Yash Nyman are competing for the right tackle spot, you're wasting your time putting him in at left tackle. Let him compete for the position that's actually available, while at the same time giving Jones some actual opportunities to, to play and show what he can do. That's my thought. Uh, the, the vast majority of the notes did come for Jordan Love, so I'll rip through some of these. I will say of the two different practices we've had, I think it's been mostly underwhelming. Um, even though there's more positive notes than negative notes, you're not shooting for 50-50. If you're going to be the quarterback in the NFL, it's got to be more like 90-10. Maybe. If we're talking off-target passes, interceptions, things of that nature, I know it's OTAs, but that does that, that actually means it's probably easier, right? We're not even running full speed. Should be a little easier to get the ball where it's supposed to go. You're not actually dealing with pressure. Even though there is some pressure, you know they're not going to touch you. So just throwing that out there. Anyways, let me just run through them. These are in order. Nice quick hit pass from Love to Dobbs off the quick play action fake in gun. Rodgers ran that play well. Love stepping right into where 12 left off. Next throw, Love is wide to Dylan off a flat off PA. In the flat off PA. Love fires into double coverage down the field to Dobbs. Ball hangs a bit and Savage comes down with a fairly easy pick. Jordan Love showing some willingness to hit the check down. Missed A.J. Dillon to the right side, but good vision to target his uh, open running back in the flat. Just connected with Aaron Jones on the left side. Corey Ballantyne should have had a pick six on Love in coverage versus Reed, but the ball bounced off his hands. Not an ideal play as a Packer fan all the way around. You have a drop pick six and a really poorly thrown ball. Love hits Musgrave, Musgrave for a beauty slant in the middle of the field. Jordan Love with his best throw of the day rifles it to Luke Musgrave some 20 yards over the middle against Tavarius Moore. Musgrave continues to impress with his size. Love finding some rhythm, back-to-back -back completions to Ture and Reed on what looked like slant routes. Love shows off his mobility, navigates the pocket, rolls to his left, throws a bit of a wobbler to Dobbs, who is wide open, and catches it for a big gain down the left sideline. Packers connecting on slants today. Love to Dobbs in the two-minute drill, now DeGuaro with a catch over the middle. Love to Dobbs on a nice out route. Perfect timing from 10, stops the clock. Love had Jaden Reed for a touchdown in two-minute on a deep corner route, but the ball is overthrown. Love still working on timing with the young wide receivers. Love hits Dobbs in stride over the middle. Drive continues, then Musgrave gets his second catch on the drive. Offense is moving. Love hits Dobbs in stride over the middle. Drive continues, then Musgrave gets his second catch of the drive. Uh, finally, Jordan Love just dominated that two-minute drill. He was 7 of 9, all to Dobbs and Musgrave, drill cut short. So I don't know, it's kind of hard to tell from all this, but if I had to guess, I think, especially when we pair it with what we saw in the Eagles game, Jordan Love is, and even, even going back into college, I think he is generally a very accurate passer. I think the timing is, is quite good a lot of the time. But if I had to guess, you know, PFF kind of will break down the statistics based on behind the line of scrimmage, short passes, media, uh, intermediate passes, and deep passes. I would guess on his short passing, he's got like a 90 grade in OTAs. On the deep passing, I'm thinking it's not quite so good. Now, there was sort of that in-stride pass, whatever, but we're talking like two picks, an overthrow, wobbly pass. The, the point is, it's it's 
the one of the unfortunate things about NFL players in general, or one of the really difficult things about being a good NFL player in general, but quarterback in particular, is that you can't just be good at a thing. You kind of have to be good at everything. Because it's way too easy for defensive coordinators to take one thing away or two things away or whatever. We, we saw him dominate the Eagles with quick slant routes, for the most part. That's cool. But if, if you dominate that and struggle getting down the sideline, or even if they know, hey, he's got a great deep ball, but once every four passes, he's throwing an interceptable ball, they're going to dare you to throw the deep ball every single time. So not something to panic about because it's too early, but it is something that I'm personally going to be keeping an eye on. I know the quick timing, rhythm, middle of the field routes, he just, that seems to be where he excels. He's like the anti-Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't want to go to the outside, doesn't really do very well, seemingly, on the outside. But man, the short middle of the field, even intermediate middle, middle of the field, that's his sweet spot. But we, we just got to see, you know, it's no different than a wide receiver saying, you know, he's got a limited route tree. And the point is we need to expand the route tree. I think that's Jordan Love. He's got his tree that he excels with, and we really need to broaden that out a little bit. And a lot of that just is going to be timing. You know, the, again, struggling with timing with the wide receivers and everything else is um, an important part of it because he can put the ball wherever. But if he doesn't know where and when to put it there, it's going to be problematic. couple notes on Sean Clifford. Airs the ball deep to Malik Heath, who makes a nice catch through traffic. Plays uh, Play of practice so far. Innis gains blitzes from the slot. Well done by Clifford to hang in there and deliver an accurate slant pass to Tyler Davis. Only running back note of the day comes in. Tyler Goodson is so quick and shifty. One of the guys that's a big question mark for whether or not he's going to make the team with Lou Nichols and Patrick Taylor being there. And now Emmanuel Wilson also. Uh, wide receivers, not a ton of notes either, mostly because they're all under the quarterback's notes. But uh, Tay Wicks and Grant DeBose, it looks like, are not at practice today. Not sure if we got any closures. A lot of guys not practicing. I'm not entirely sure what that is. Um, it's, it's always surprising to me when so many people don't practice or with the training staff and everything else because it's like, what, what, what happened? <laughs> you know, Tucker Craft is another one. He's, he's out with the, uh, we'll, we'll just read the notes here. Uh, Tucker Craft without a helmet. Looks like he may not be practicing today. Next one says Packers rookie tight end Tucker Craft is at OTAs and went through stretches but is not practicing craft working in the rehab group instead. I I don't know. Banged up from college football or something. I'm not really sure. Then you got uh, Musgrave. Obviously, he had the video of the day that I think everybody's seen. If you haven't, you got to go find it. But uh, otherwise, Luke Musgrave looks fantastic today. Quick, soft hands, body control, over-the-shoulder catch deep down the field. He has been as advertised. Getting down to the offensive line, Elton Jenkins and um, David Bakhtiari were back at practice today. It's really the only notes on them. Again, um, Bakhtiari was there and did all the stretching and whatnot, but when it came time to do the, the team period and whatnot, Elton Jenkins took part, David Bakhtiari did not. Only other note is that Caleb Jones got flagged for a false start. Uh, getting over to the defense, the starting defense for the day was Wooden, Slayton, and Clark. And so these are the things that are relatively important because when you, I mean, it, it's somewhat obvious, but important. So we know Kenny and Slayton are the top guys. Devontae Wyatt was not out on the field. We'll get to that. So who's the next up? Well, you could say it's Jonathan Ford because he's been there, but he's just a nose tackle and we've already got Slayton. He's not going to be playing defensive end. So then it comes down to Wooden and Brooks. Well, I think what makes the most sense is the guy that they took in the fourth round would get snaps over the guy in the sixth round, and that's essentially what happened. But that is the pecking order as of right now. It's 
I mean, I, I guess if we break it down into just defensive ends and, and leave out the nose tackles, it's Kenny, then Wyatt, then Wooden, then Brooks, with Slayton and Ford as our nose tackles. Then off the edge, you've got um, Preston Smith and Hollins, which I, I'm still kind of confused by the Hollins thing. Um, I know Rashawn Gary is out. I don't know what the status of Kingsley and Igbare is. But I know last week, Hollins was ahead of Enigbare also. So it's really strange to me. I know Lucas Van Ness is a rookie, but they're not putting Ture ahead of Reed. And to have essentially the pecking order being Rashawn Gary, then Preston Smith, then Justin Hollins, then Kingsley Enigbare, then maybe Lucas Van Ness, that I don't super understand, I guess. Because Van Ness is out there. We'll get to him. Kingsley, I didn't hear anything, but I know he was out last week. And out is in, out on the field. So if he's not practicing, it's it's was not brought up. So yeah, Preston Smith and Hollins are right now the top two guys on the field, which is, um, again, somewhat surprising to me. But I guess good news, because we know what Enigbare is. And we also know that they have a lot of, they're very impressed with Lucas Van Ness. So maybe rather than, Looking at it in a negative light, we should be looking at it in terms of how much does that mean they love Hollins, which seems to be an unlikely contender for a legitimate starting outside linebacker, but we've been down that road before. Then on the inside, we get Quay and Campbell, followed by Ballantyne, Shamar Jean Charles at corner. We'll get to that corner room, which is kind of strange, and then Savage and Ford again at safety. Um, All right. Uh, specifically starting with the defensive line, basically just saying Wyatt is not out there. Carl Brooks had a would-be sack on Clifford. And then Colby Wooden getting legit looks with the ones on defense. Huge opportunity for him. At edge, aside from Preston Smith being back, the uh, only notes I have are on Lucas Van Ness. Uh, It says, Lucas Van Ness with a gorgeous rush on Yash Nyman. Legit teaching tape stuff. Played the run off play action. Ripped through the tackle. Explodes to the quarterback. Fun stuff. Next one says Van Ness makes his way into the backfield again. So look, I don't mind him going up against the number two, especially since the number two is a guy legitimately contending for a starting role as our right tackle. I just find it a little bit odd. And and, and there may be other reasons behind it in terms of wanting... I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't really understand it. But that's what it is. Uh, linebacker, the only thing is Quay's back, which we kind of already covered. And then uh, at corner... Mentions how Alexander and Razul Douglas are not here. And then somebody goes on to say it's a little surprising because Jair Alexander has a $700,000 workout bonus, which is the third highest in the NFL, and Douglas has a $300,000 workout bonus. I don't know the status of this in terms of why they wouldn't be here, and I can't imagine either of them sticking their nose up at that amount of money. I know Alexander got paid, but we're talking about $700,000. That's stupid money to anybody. And Razul doesn't have, you know, probably isn't going to make as much money in his career as Alexander. So 300000 is an insane amount of money also, just in general to any human being on top of things. So I don't know. I haven't heard anybody ask. I haven't heard anybody talk about it. Not sure what that is all about. And then at safety, Rudy Ford again lining up next to Savage. Tarverius Moore comes in a few plays later. And then it says Rudy Ford still at the first safety spot, aside from Savage, Tavarius Moore, and Jonathan Owens, our second string. So again, kind of just trying to figure out pecking order. Um, Savage seems to be the guy that is 
to to many people's dismay, he's the number one guy. Then Rudy's getting his first crack at being the number two safety. It sounds like Moore would be number three, with Jonathan Owens closely coming in at number four. I think that's pretty close to how I would have expected it to be. We're just kind of waiting to see if Anthony Johnson is able to make some strides at any point. And then as far as Dallin Levitt, he was there but not able to practice. They said he was in sweats. So that's it. That's the entirety of practice um, overall. Again, a lot of good stuff. Lucas Van Ness sounds like a freaking monster. I don't know why he's as far down the list as he is, but I obviously that's going to change over time. It's just, I just wonder how they determine, like, you know, usually we give precedent to veterans, but sometimes we don't. And sometimes we bury our first-round pick behind guys that are, like, not even super good backups. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But anyways, as we look at it, there are... Um, some questions being answered, most of them are things that you would expect, but a lot of still questions out there. I don't know, for example, behind the starting three where we all stand at wide receiver, right? It's Watson, Dobbs, and Reed, okay? Granted, I don't think that's going to change. Is it Wicks, DeBose, and Ture after that? If not, who's kind of in contention there? And 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 not only that, it, because I, I would expect it to be Wicks, DeBose, and Ture after that, with maybe DeBose being at the bottom of the pecking order just because... He's the most. He's a rookie and a seventh rounder. But what is the pecking order? Is Wicks being maybe pushed ahead of Ture? Is Ture the the top guy? Is Ture possibly butting his way into the starting, or is it not even close? You know, I mean, I, I don't know exactly how things stack, but it, and it's not just stacking. It's how big are the gaps? The gaps between one, two, two, three, and three and four, four and five, five and six, etc. Um, offensive line. There doesn't seem to be at least at this point really any surprises you know we we hear about all this massive shuffling that's going to be happening and i haven't really seen any with caleb jones getting the nod at left tackle makes me think that it would be for example just looking at the tackles bakhtiari is your top guy followed by zach zach tom very closely behind that is yash nyman after that would be caleb jones and then presumably rasheed walker if you're talking just pure tackles obviously we got a few other guys that could slide out there in a pinch if needed Royce and Jenkins and whatnot, but we'll just keep them at guard. But um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like everything's pretty well established. I didn't see anybody else taking right guard or center snaps. We know, at least it seems pretty well established, it's going to be Bakhtiari and Jenkins. Um, So you got Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, and that has been untainted. And then Zach Tom seems to be kind of the dude at right tackle, and I, I don't know that Yash has really pushed it. Now, when training camp comes around, we might start to see a little bit more shuffling, but I'm curious how much more. And obviously these things could be happening in the non-media days because they want to maybe try to keep some stuff under wraps or maybe just by coincidence. I don't really know. Um, and then when you look at tight end, it sounds like DeGuara is still the top guy, but I don't think it's going to be for very long. It sounds like he's just bare. And again, this is where the gaps come in. I think that Luke Musgrave is just nipping at his heels and we haven't even really seen Tucker Craft yet. So for example, the very first public OTAs, when they lined up, the first person to get first reps was actually Luke Musgrave. But when they've done the team segments, it's always been Josiah DeGuara getting the number one snaps. But I just think the way Luke is playing, as much as they love the way Luke plays, granted, they're, they're somewhat at different positions. But I think if we talk about it in terms of snap counts and opportunities, I think Musgrave, um, like a lot of guys, it's really just a matter of time, right? Lucas Van Ness is where Lucas Van Ness is, but it is a matter of time before he catapults himself into that number 
I, I guess you could call it number two spot, depending on how fast Rashawn comes back. But at worst, that number three spot, which he is currently not at. But we know it's coming. I think we're kind of that way with Musgrave. It, it's sort of a formality with Josiah right now. And again, that isn't necessarily a negative because we're talking about three different tight ends who do three different styles of tight end work. Josiah is going to still be that Josiah guy that we've seen. I just don't think that he's expected to be necessarily a focal point as much as Luke is. And, and we'll see where Tucker Craft kind of slots into that. Um, quarterback thing is somewhat interesting. It, I didn't hear distinctly that Sean Clifford is ahead of Danny Etling, but it does sound that way. I didn't really hear much about Etling, so it sounds like when Love wasn't playing, it was Clifford kind of with the number twos. And again, because we're so early, you would think that it's not that big of a deal to to let you know Danny kind of get that number two spot and Sean kind of slowly work his way up. But um, if he is already there, I, I, I have very little reason to believe that it isn't going to stay that way, which could mean Danny doesn't make the team, depending on how many quarterbacks we want to keep. Running backs, nothing changes. The The biggest question is who's RB3, and I don't know that we've gotten uh, any real closure on that. I have not heard in terms of like who the number two, three, four, whatever running backs are. And, you know, again, if the guys that are there are seeing it, they're not saying it. Uh, the only note we had was Tyler Goodson looked good, but um, it, it's tough because I like Goodson. I know the Packers really like Patrick Taylor. At least they did, but that was back when he was a special teams guy, and I don't think he really has any... Um, shot at at being able to sniff that position ever again and then of course there's Lou Nichols who I think we're all kind of rooting for because he's a talented guy and if he can be better than Patrick Taylor and Tyler Goodson that's a win for everybody but no word on that whatsoever um sort of the unspoken person here is Henry Pearson we might get into that today I probably not but I, I need to get through some of these undrafted free agents we haven't really talked about them a ton but he is the lone fullback on the list. I don't know what his utilization has been, if 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 there has been much or any or whatever, but um, kind of an interesting guy that's just floating out there. I mean, if they're looking for a fullback, he has no competition. Or is he kind of being lumped in with the H-back thing in which he would be sort of a number two behind Josiah, kind of? I don't know. Uh, defensively, again, I think we've got it figured out. We've got our top three in Kenny Slayton and Wyatt. Then we've got our next three, which is going to be Wooden, Ford, and Brooks, right? Nobody else has even pushed into that group. And it sounds like right now Colby Wooden is ahead of Carl Brooks, not necessarily because of anything they've done. I think it's just fourth round ahead of sixth round. Um, plenty of opportunities there for both guys. They've both been getting snaps with the ones occasionally. So we'll see how that all pans out. And it's not impossible that some of these guys, because, you know, it's a heavily rotated position, some of these guys' snap counts. And, and that's kind of what I mean by, again, with the gaps. So Kenny Clark's going to get the most opportunities, and let's just assume it's Wyatt after that. Let's, let's again, eliminate the nose tackle spot for a second. Is it going to be like 50 less snaps for the next guy or 100? Or, you know, how big is the gap going to be? Or is it going to be kind of close between, let's just say, Wooden and Wyatt? Because one of these guys, either Brooks or Wooden, really steps up or and or maybe Wyatt doesn't quite take that step that the Packers are hoping. Um, it might be a, a, a fairly even rotation. Edge again, we got Rashawn, we got Preston. For whatever reason, then it's Justin Hollins. Presumably after that is Kingsley, then Lucas. It might be Hollins, Lucas, then Kingsley. I really don't know. But I will say this. I think it's safe to say Rashawn Gary will not be there week one. I think it's I think we know for a fact it's Preston is the number one in that case. It's likely it's going to be Preston and Lucas Van Ness. After that, I think it's likely to be Justin Hollins and Kingsley and Igbari. They've shown a, a very intense uh affinity for justin hollins 
Kingsley's certainly not getting cut. That's going to be four guys with one returning soon. Then you've got questions with Garvin and Hamilton, who have kind of been hangers-on for a while. Garvin's kind of done his thing for the last several years. Seventh-round pick, he's been a decent backup. I wouldn't mind Garvin at all if you're talking about, like, your number, what, number six pass rusher on the team or number five pass rusher. Certainly capable, but but again, another guy that doesn't seem to really want to participate in OTAs and doesn't really seem to try, doesn't want to be, I mean, he's getting... He's getting run over right now with with the guys that are there. So, And that doesn't even include Brenton Cox, who is another undrafted guy that a lot of people are excited about because of his upside and ability. The uh, um, guy from Africa, Kenneth Odumegwu, along with Keyshawn Banks. There's a lot of competition there. And, and as I said, Ladarius Hamilton. Linebacker inside, uh, nothing super crazy there. Campbell and Quay are going to be the guys. Eric Wilson's not going anywhere. He's a special teams ace. Isaiah McDuffie, I think he kind of edged out his biggest competition last year. So I think he ends up being the four. Although Tariq is is in the mix now. But my thought on Tariq Carpenter is they kicked him out of the safety spot because we have a lot of safeties and he can't really compete. And instead of just getting rid of him, which is probably what would have happened if they just kept him at safety... They want to push him over to linebacker to see if he can compete over there to give him one more legitimate shot before they end up letting him go. And so if I had to guess, um, he's kind of on the the chopping block a little bit, which I, I hope isn't the case, but that's just kind of the feeling that I'm getting. It's going to be hard to kind of get your feet under you in a new position and edge out the, the two established guys. And I don't know that we're going to keep five linebackers. I, I would be kind of surprised by that. If we do, I mean, he's basically guaranteed a job, but if they don't, then he's almost guaranteed to lose his job is would be my thought um corners again pretty well established what we've got so far with Jair Razul and Keyshawn I uh, would love to know some details in terms of where the guys are why they're not here hopefully it's nothing big had some uh theories floating around I know when we were um doing a live with um Clayton and Jacob uh nothing that I had necessarily heard before but I'll, I'll continue poking around and if you've heard anything please send it to me so I can look at it um, and then there's the whole weird thing with Eric Stokes, where again, either they don't expect him back anytime soon, or they do, and it sounds like he's not going to get that that spot back over Razul. But um, I think the next in line is Corey Ballantyne, and then the next in line at slot is Shamar Jean Charles. Although, in reality, Shamar, I think, is the number three slot guy. I th- I've talked about this before. If, for example, Keyshawn were to go down, which would be devastating from a special team standpoint, but let's just say he does, I think Razul would go to slot, and if if um, Stokes were healthy, he would then get his spot back, just in terms of getting your best three. And that may be the case either way. I mean, maybe they'd rather have Corey there than Shamar in the slot. I don't think so, but maybe. And then, uh, again, safety, you already mentioned, it's it's Darnell is the number one guy. And there, there are differences in, in types of safeties that may have more to do with it, but Darnell seems to be the guy that, that's established. He isn't rotating out with anybody else to take uh, snaps with the ones that I've heard. Rudy Ford is that seemingly the number two, but they're giving other guys cracks at it, specifically Tavarius Moore and Jonathan Owens. Um, Levitt, I don't expect him to really push for that. He's mostly a special teams guy, but he's out. He may. Um, you still got Innis Gaines who may, uh, again, he's not getting opportunities with the ones, but we'll see what he can do. And then the biggest wild card being Anthony Johnson. Then at special teams, don't really expect a ton um, uh, in terms of it's pretty well established. We've got Keyshawn as your returner with the potential of Jaden at punt. Anders is our kicker. Pat O'Donnell's our punter. And then the, the only 
seeming competition is is Matt Orzek going to be the long snapper or will Broughton Hatcher our undrafted free agent long snapper get that job anyways why don't we go ahead and take a quick break we'll come back and take a look at a few other things again if you wouldn't mind uh supporting the show over at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy otherwise um if you're looking for an organization to support a charitable organization please consider fertile ground ranch discipleship ministry you can find them at fertilegroundranch.org we'll take a break we'll be right back in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value jordan love card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now introducing slab packs from arenaclub.com the only repack that provides real value a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, let's take a little bit of news and notes here. One of the things I wanted to point out, this is a note I had from a few days ago, but uh, wasn't something that I was, I guess, aware of. Um, Apparently, DeAndre Hopkins upset some in the Cardinals organization by sitting out the final two games of the 22 season, even though he was healthy per sources may have been a sticky situation if he remained on the team until the trade deadline so it's understandable why the cardinals wouldn't like him but it's also understandable why a lot of other teams would see that as a negative right and and and, you know it really just kind of goes to this whole attitude thing of what kind of people do you want in your building is it all just about you and how much money you get and all the respect you get and everything else or are are we bringing in a person that's going to help us build a culture i don't think he's going to give you that i think if you're bringing him in it's because you're getting this mega elite wide receiver and i don't think anybody even believes he's that anymore so a little bit of a detail there that i find interesting also um apparently wide receiver george pickens feels he got snubbed from the pro bowl what a dork (laughs) i don't really know how else to put that kicking it over to the jets news randall cobb said that when he and aaron Rodgers walked off lambeau field at the end of last season he knew it was going to be the last time they'd both walk off the field together as teammates which I guess makes sense, Randall, if nothing else knew that he wasn't going to be returning. Um, continuing with the DeAndre Hopkins things, the, uh, according to Sala, his quote was, we love our current group. 
which is interesting because, you know, when you look at it, the Packers and the Jets have very different situations, and the, and the Jets have a situation that's much more similar to what the Packers had, like, last year and over several years. You have a much smaller window. You've got one guy that is an established wide receiver and a bunch of other just, like, even they, who I think would make more sense than the Packers to go out and get DeAndre Hopkins, are looking at it and going, yeah, no, no, I think we're good. Which, again, should tell you something in terms of what these teams are seeing when they look at DeAndre Hopkins, and it ain't, you know, 2018 DeAndre Hopkins. Also, as far as Rodgers' injury status, he did hurt his calf, as I mentioned, I don't know, last week or whatever when he walked off the field. Um, Apparently, Robert Sala says Aaron Rodgers is fine, but he is going to be limited. He didn't really do anything on the field, but he did stand in place and throw a couple passes. They are hoping to have him back by next week to be able to... uh, do some stuff um don't have anything for the vikings and lions however some bears notes number one rookie tyreek stevenson picked off fields and team period (laughs) i only bring that up just because we're going to keep a little bit of a tally just because there's a good chance that at some point bears fans are going to be gushing over how great fields looks which is actually kind of funny how much they haven't which is kind of telling but just keep a couple of these in our back pocket OTAs, it looks like the guys that were gone have stayed away, including Nate Davis, Darnell Mooney, Eddie Jackson, and Jalen Johnson. Um, when asked about the whole Jalen Johnson thing, Bears defensive coordinator Alan Williams said, um, can I say no comment? You know what? I'm going to say no comment. Then he goes on to talk about OTAs a little bit. and He says, we would love all our guys to be out there, but the way football is right now, it is optional, and I want the guys to be out there because I do feel that we bring value. Now, I want to highlight that not just from a Bears standpoint, but again, from an OTA standpoint. Teams are not saying that this is not valuable. Teams are saying this is entirely valuable, and everybody should be here, and we would require you to be here if we could, but the NFL forces us to make this voluntary. And so while this is um, technically voluntary, we absolutely need you to be here and expect you to be here. That's the, that is the stance of every single coaching staff in the NFL. He says, I think we have the best coaching staff in the world, the best training staff, the best strength and conditioning staff. We have the best dietitian. I think we have the best of everything here. So I want guys to be here. But it is voluntary. So with that in mind, any of the players, it's, they have to make a choice of whether they're here or not. And then he says, I love all the guys that we, and then he stops and says, I love all my guys. The guys who are here, we're going to coach them up and teach them, and we're going to be the best that we can be. So this is the stance that every team has towards the players that are there and the players that are not, and I think every fan should have the same opinion. If the door's open, you should be there, unless there's some kind of a serious issue. Even if you believe you have a better trainer somewhere else, doesn't matter. Not just about you. Anyways, now getting into the Packers stuff, I guess back into the Packers stuff. This is a note Zach Cruz posted. Again, it kind of gets into the deeper part of the schedule that we haven't really talked about a ton. But he says, might be the only one to find this interesting, but the Packers list rookie offensive lineman DJ Scaife as a center only on the team's roster. He started 52 games in right guard, right tackle at Miami. Packers appear to be experimenting a bunch at center to open the offseason workout program. So I would view that slightly differently because we we actually haven't seen as i said a lot of experimenting there i think maybe what part of the problem is is that center there aren't a ton of options and at guard and tackle there are a ton of options so i think with a guy like dj scaife again you put him in the situation where he's most likely to actually win a job and right now we have josh myers who again i firmly believe will be our center i don't think there's really hardly any question about that 
the backup for him is Jake Hansen. And I don't think anyone's super excited about Jake Hansen, which leaves DJ Scaife to have an opportunity to potentially be the backup center for the team. And the fact that he has guard tackle versatility is going to help him. Presumably Hansen does too, but, you know, we've seen that in action. It wasn't great. Not going to dig too much into this because, number one, I've kind of already talked about it. Number two, it's kind of old news. And um, I don't know, was there a three? I'm not sure. But I I think it just kind of goes to one of the comments I made yesterday um, on Clayton's podcast. And that was, I don't really mind anybody that comes to a conclusion about the Packers because I think there's a wide range of where things are going to end up. And depending on where you think those things fall will dictate how the season goes. Like, if you look at it and say, I think the Packers' defense is going to be closer to what they were early in the season, and I think Jordan Love's going to be a below-average quarterback. Therefore, I think the Packers win maybe five, six games. I can't super-argue with that, even if I don't think that that's going to be the outcome, because at least you can kind of make that kind of a case. What I don't like, though, is when people think that they know things really condescendingly and then have bad arguments. So I just want to read this and let you kind of figure it out for yourself. If Aaron uh, well, here, let me read the whole thing here. Uh, Jeff Darlington isn't buying the Packers saying they're not in in a rebuild year. Okay, why? Here's what it says. If Aaron Rodgers believed this was a Super Bowl caliber roster, I think he'd still be in Green Bay. Okay, couple issues. Number one, there's a massive gap between rebuild and Super Bowl caliber. Number two, anybody familiar with the Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers situation who thinks that the, the... defining reason that Aaron Rodgers is not here is because he didn't feel the roster was good enough has no idea what they're talking about clearly so this is the kind of stuff that I don't like it's it's not just a biased sort of either you believe we're going to win 10 games or you're an idiot no I don't care how many games you think but make a good argument for it I don't care if you just call it kind of a hunch like I I just don't feel I don't have confidence in Joe Barry and so I don't think the defense is going to be very good Uh, I worry about Jordan Love's, you know, consistency or whatever. I don't think he's going to, you know, I think he'll be good in spots, but not good enough. There'll be too many mistakes, too many turnovers that are going to cost us. I think we're going to take a step back in special teams because I think we kind of will not be able to replicate what we did last year. And then just the overall inexperience of the group is not going to help us to win in clutch situations, et cetera, et cetera. And the coaches are going to be struggling to figure out how to, like, okay, yeah, fair enough. And all that is prefaced with, I think, but I don't know. But what we usually get is just sort of this mocking sort of, (laughs) you actually think they're going to be good. Oh, you actually think Jordan Love is going to be good. You actually think, I mean, maybe, right? I mean, don't we know that the answer is maybe? And I I just think that that's a lot of my frustration. It's it's not disagreement. I'm all for it. I, I like conversation. It's how you kind of grow in your understanding of things. It makes you think about things that you didn't really think about before and helps a lot of different things. What I don't like is that most of the conversation that happens is stupid. It's not based on anything. It's just, I, I don't know. It, it, it feels like elementary school na-na-na-na-na stuff. And again, it reminds me of when I would go to school with my Packers backpack and my Packers coat living in Illinois after the Packers just beat the Bears, listening to these elementary school kids say, Packers suck, Packers... It's like, you just lost! What are you talking about? That doesn't make sense, but that's that's where we're at. Anyways, uh, a couple other notes here. There was a interview done by Dennis Krause with Romeo Dobbs. 
And I just want to go through this. Just a couple questions and answers here. First, you look like you knew what you were doing last year, but how different is this year as far as your knowledge of the offense? He says, just playing fast, making sure I'm real confident in myself. Then there was the hammer. Question number two that everybody, this has been circling, circulating. Yeah, there's the word. I found it around like crazy. He says, obviously there's been a change at quarterback. Do you see a difference in Jordan? He says, no, I think Jordan can do it. I think Jordan is a really good quarterback. When you go from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan, Aaron was a really great quarterback, but I believe Jordan can do the exact same thing. So I don't really see the big difference. Now, a lot of people are reading this as he's just talking about 2022, or maybe, you know, that's all he's aware of is 2022. So he's speaking ignorantly, but I don't think that's certainly what Romeo intended. First of all, he starts off by saying Jordan is a great quarterback or really good quarterback. Then he mentions that Rodgers is a great quarterback, but I think Jordan can do the exact same thing. So I don't really see what's the big difference. I think it was a bigger statement than some people are trying to downplay it to be. That doesn't mean he's correct. Doesn't even mean that he's necessarily being honest. But he's very clearly planting his flag on Jordan Love and saying, this is my guy. And everybody that thinks that he's just going to be some mediocre guy that can't do what Aaron Rodgers did, you're in for a rude awakening. A couple questions down, it says, you don't seem the type that's really concerned about what the nas- uh, about the national media, but a lot of projections are for the Packers to go down from where they were. What do you see? He said, I see progression. I see going up. I don't see the Packers going down. I only focus on our room and our team and this organization. The organization is historic and it's only winning. That's all. When you hear Green Bay, it's no losing. It's only winning. Again, a lot of this is fluff nonsense, and he knows it. He knows the Packers have had bad seasons. Bad games, bad years, bad everything. But it's that mentality of, I don't give a crap what you think. We're going to win. I don't care what you think. Jordan Love's going to be just as good as Rodgers ever was. I don't care what you think. Our goal is Super Bowl. Right? It's stuff that you're not supposed to think. But you know what? If you are a player for the Green Bay Packers, that is exactly how you're supposed to think. That's how you're supposed to talk to your teammates. That's how you're supposed to carry yourself inside and outside of the locker room. Final question, this time of year, OTAs, whether it's mandatory minicamp coming up, training camp, what are you working on? Romeo says, I'm just working on being a complete receiver, making sure my hands are good, my release game is good, and my routes. Just making sure that we keep the standard up high for the guys that's looking up to us. I don't know what it is about people that we require football players to be objective, right? Media members, sure. Fans, meh. Not necessarily, unless they're pretending that or or trying to claim to be objective, then yeah, you should probably try to be objective. Players should not be objective. The goal, the objective, is not for you to be objective. It's not for you to be rational and go, you know, if I really think about it, you know, I think we're going to maybe... No, no, no. That's not your goal. Your job is to be the greatest ever, to be the greatest player, and to make this the greatest team. That's the goal. And you're not going to reach that goal if you're sitting around hemming and hawing going, yeah, I don't know, six wins or so, I think it would be fair for us because we're kind of not super good, you know. That's stupid. Anyways, final thing that I found that I wanted to play for you. This is uh, Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast, does that say, I think? I don't know. Yahoo Fantasy Football thing. But um, they started talking about Musgrave. And I'm just going to let it ride. Here's what they had to say. Luke Musgrave. 6'6", 253 pounds out of Oregon State. Uh, Musgrave is actually, I think, Lance Zierlein, NFL.com's top-ranked tight end. Uh, what can we? What, what do we need to know about him? I Look, I'm not all the way with Lance there, 
but I I love Musgraves. And I understand mm. that it's kind of an irrational opinion to have because he only had 11 catches last year before he got hurt. It wasn't a big sample size. I, I also think he only played in two games before it all kind of fell down, fell apart for him. But, dude, like you just got to watch him move, man. He's one of those guys where you, you watch him get the ball in space, you watch him pluck it out the air, and he's just kind of moving different from everybody else. And I think what what I really like about him so much as an athlete is like, it's a coordination at 6'6". Six, six. A lot of those guys are clumsy or they're not fast, but he's one of those rare guys Like when he catches it, he looks like a fluid athlete. He doesn't look out of place with the ball in his hands or trying to make plays down the field. So I, I, I think, you know, he's another guy that's a part of this receiver cl- or tight end class that's really quality. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up as like the best receiver of these guys. And, and look, I know mm. it's a small sample size. But I, there's something about the traits and the way that he goes out and gets the ball. And like I said, he's got some yards after the catch threat, which I think is a little unusual for his size. I like his game a lot. 11 catches in two games, just like you said, 169 yards. Uh, the year before that, he had 22 catches for 304 yards and one touchdown. So, yeah, the it's a small sample, like you said. But um, as you're talking about like the yards after catch stuff, the NFL.com comparison that Lance gives out is Dallas Goddard. And what I think stands out with Goddard is like, he is definitely a guy that works down the field. You know, he has that size, but Dallas Goddard has to be like one of the best all time in terms of like tight end screens and that yards after catch ability. So that makes a lot of sense when you're talking about all those strengths that Musgrave has. 